0: Happy Holidays folks, Dr. Tim Jordan here with another episode of Raising Daughters. And I just realized I always introduce myself here as Dr. Tim Jordan or Dr. Jordan, when in reality, nobody ever calls me Dr. Jordan. I did a weekend retreat a couple weeks ago for grade school girls and they call me Tim or Timmy or Grandpa, same way with the middle schoolers, the high schoolers. But anyway, I am here today and the holidays are upon us. So I thought I'd talk today about happiness. Maybe the real keys to happiness because I feel like our kids are not getting a healthy definition of or a a healthy way of looking at what it means to be happy. A long time ago, I remember hearing a story about an old alley cat. And he was walking along and he, he saw this little kitten chasing his tail in the alley, round and round. So the old alley cat asked her, what are you doing? So the little kitten said, well, I just finished my cat philosophy school where I learned there are two important things for cats. The first is happiness is the most important thing for cats. The second thing I learned was it's always located in one's tail. So I figured I would chase it until I got a hold of it in my mouth so that I can have eternal happiness. The old cat told her that she was just an old alley cat. She had no formal education, but she had learned a few things along the way. She said, you know what, I learned also what you did about happiness. I learned that the most important thing for cats is indeed happiness. And I also learned that it was also located in our tails. And she said, the only difference between you and me is that I discovered that if you go about your business and do the things that are important to you, happiness will follow you wherever you go. I think too many young people today, and I think too many adults today, are chasing their tails. I think our kids have been conditioned about happiness in a way that's not healthy. They've been sold a whole boatload of ideas about happiness being externals. Things like uh, being rich, being famous, being popular. You'll be happy if you win the lottery. They've been told over and over again that more and faster is better. that achievement is more important than character. I feel like in some ways we're raising a generation of human doings who are never content. It's never enough. Never enough money, never enough things, never enough uh, likes on their on their social media. I did a podcast on April 1st, 2021. You might want to go back and refer to that one where I talked about how the drugs of approval are the most uh, common drugs that kids receive today. It's not pot, it's not alcohol, it's not heroin. It's the drugs of approval. So go back to 4 one and review that one. But I think it's true. Kids have been sold a bill of goods about that's what happiness is. John Lennon of the Beatles fame remembers when he was five years old, his mother always told him that happiness was the key to life. And he said, when I went to school, my teacher asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up as an assignment. And I wrote down happy. My teacher said I didn't understand the assignment. And I told her she didn't understand life. I believe that's true. Our kids are not understanding life the way I want them to understand it. Gandhi said one time that happiness is when what you think and what you say and what you do are in harmony. That's a lot different than the current version of happiness, which is about stuff, having more things. I just finished a weekend retreat for high school girls. And on Saturday evening, they were talking about some of the unhealthy ways that they were trying to cope with life, life's pressures and stresses. And so I, I explain to them uh, my thrill hangover cycle, which kind of goes like this. There are ter- certain times in our lives sometimes when we feel kind of down, we feel empty, we might feel numbed out, lonely. Nobody wants to feel that way, so what we do is we reach for a thrill to pull us out of it. Thrills are things like uh, drinking, getting drunk, getting wasted, partying, hooking up, uh, gambling. You buy stuff. You, you max out your credit card online. You buy a new boat. You buy a new house. And those things do help us in the moment because they distract us from our feelings. We don't have to think about the things that are bothering us. Unfortunately, it doesn't really cure anything because as soon as that thrill is over, there's always a hangover. And I'm not talking about an alcohol hangover, although there is that sometimes. I'm talking about an emotional hangover. Because once that, ha- that high wears off, we're right back to, to where we were. And oftentimes a little bit lower and a little bit more discouraged. And then we have to reach for another thrill to pull us out of the funk. So we do. And then we experience a hangover and we go round and round and round. And the, and the hangovers get deeper and it takes more of a thrill to pull us out. When I finish explaining that cycle, there was silence in the room. We had 20 high school girls and we had, a, we had a 13 staff who were in their 20s, 30s, several of them in their 40s. And the silence said, they said to us, that's my life. You just described my life. That was true of many of the adults as well as the young people. That even in, in their teen years, they're already kind of getting involved in that cycle. Picking unhealthy ways for them to take care of themselves as they're trying to become more happy. I read a story a long time ago about this little girl who was playing in her yard, and she was digging in the ground, and she found a bar of gold. So she rushes inside to show her mom, but her mom was too busy making dinner to notice. So she put it in her mom's lap. and Her mom told her to move it out of the way. She's trying to get dinner ready. And the girl, girl says, Mom, it's gold. It can make us rich. But her mom is too distracted to be impressed. So the girl takes a bar of gold, and she goes back outside, and she buries it, buries it under a tree. And once a week she digs it up and holds it in her lap, but she starts doing that less and less as the months and the years pass. And finally she forgets to dig it up at all and starts acting like everybody else, not as somebody who possesses a bar of gold. That bar of gold might represent that little girl's interests, her passions, her dreams. I think sometimes because of the way the world is. And what we tend to value more, we, sometimes kids lose sight of those kinds of uh, feelings and passions and dreams because society looks down on it, because it's different, because it doesn't fit our little scheme of this one path of you know, getting straight A's and going to a top college and getting a good job and making a lot of money. That's the path we, we're sticking kids on, but for a lot of kids, that doesn't fit. Plus, it's not healthy anyway. So they lose their passions. They start doing things to please other people or to not disappoint their parents, and so they end up having a life that is not their life. They lose themselves and thus become less fulfilled and less happy. I can't tell you how many burned out athletes I see in my counseling practice. Girls who typically typically are in freshmen, sophomore, juniors in high school especially, who've been playing the same sport since they were six, seven, eight years of age 12 months of the year of soccer or gymnastics etc and they're burned out They don't get any enjoyment out of it anymore and they're miserable and i ask them why are you doing it you don't like it and they say well it looks good in my college transcript or more commonly they'll say i don't want to disappoint my parents my parents have put so much time and so much money and so much energy into this sport that i feel like if i quit that they would be really disappointed Or my coach would be disappointed. Or my teammates would be disappointed. And so they're doing things not for their reasons and thus lose their happiness. In essence, they lose their bar of gold. It becomes buried inside of them. Just like the little girl from the story. I read an interesting story about actor George Clooney. And he remembered as a young working actor, he struggled with how to tackle his audition process. He was always concerned about the problem that he faced how do how do i book an acting job and earn some much-needed income how do i how did he learn to deal with that well he finally switched things around finally when he had a realization that the audition was also an obstacle for the producers they needed somebody to fill the role and do an amazing job so Clooney began to approach his auditions from a different angle instead of going into his auditions as somebody trying to get a job He approached him as somebody who could help the producers do theirs better. As a result, he began landing more and more roles and eventually became one of Hollywood's most celebrated leading men. So he started doing something different. He didn't do uh, his life different. He was doing the same auditions, but he started doing it for a different reason. He changed his intention. I remember I had an epiphany moment like this Back in my 30s, I was uh, going through a, a period of time where I was doing a lot of personal growth. My wife and I were uh, teaching these weekend retreats and learning how to teach them ourselves. And I did a lot of uh, self-awareness work, self-discovery kind of work. But anyway, I remember one time we were driving in a van someplace at one of these retreats. And the, our, our mentor, our teacher, Bill, turned around and he said, because he said, uh, I was complaining about how I was kind of losing my my interest in giving talks and things, it just wasn't doing it for me anymore. And he said, your problem isn't what you're doing. Your problem is why you're doing it. And I, I realized that I was doing it to look good, get applauded. I was doing it because in my in my younger life growing up, I was, I was always thinking to myself that I was never good enough. I had two older brothers who were always on me. I was always trying to compete with the big kids in the neighborhood. Um, there's a lot of criticism in my home, a lot of discouragement. So I had grown up with the belief that said I wasn't good enough. I had to keep struggling to keep up, keep up with the big kids. And so here I was doing these talks and all these retreats and things because I needed that affirmation to say I was, I was okay. That I was good enough. That's what the applause was doing for me, but it started to wear off. It wasn't working as well. And so what I did was, I didn't stop giving talks, I didn't stop teaching retreats. What I did was, I shifted my intention for why I was doing it. I shifted it from being better than other people, I shifted it from trying to get applause to being of service. And that made all the difference in the world. Before I would give a talk, I would recite the first line of the prayer of St. Francis, which is, which is, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. So I wasn't doing a talk to try and get people to sign up for a course. I wasn't doing it for the money. I, was, I wasn't doing it for people to come up to me afterwards and say, Oh, you're so great. I did it because I wanted to just focus on being of service. There's a story about a young orphan girl who had no one to love her, and she was very lonely. One day she was feeling so lonely and sad she was walking through a meadow, really discouraged, when she noticed a butterfly who was caught in a thorn bush. And the more it struggled, the deeper the thorns cut into its body. So this little orphan girl carefully released the butterfly and, woof, it changed into a fairy. And The fairy said, thank you so much for your kindness. I'm willing to grant you one wish. Well, the girl thought for a moment and she said she wanted to be happy. And the, the fairy went over and wished something into and, and and spoke something into her ear quietly. And then the fairy flew off. As the girl grew up, no one was happier than she was, and everybody always asked her what was the secret to her happiness. And she told them she had listened to a good fairy one day when she was a little girl, but she would say no more. On her deathbed, the neighbors crowded into her room, and they begged her to know her secret. And she finally replied, the fairy that day told me that everyone, no matter how secure they seemed, no matter how old or how young, how rich or how poor, that everyone had need of her. That was the key to her happiness, being of service, being there for other people. I remember reading a story about the famous therapist Carl Menninger, who said sometimes when he had patients in his office who were depressed, he felt like the best thing was not to sit down on his couch for an hour of therapy. He thought it would be much better for most of them just to get out of his office, go outside and be there for other people, to be be of service to other people, to find someone who needed them and needed some help. At our summer camps and our retreats, we call that having your arrows out, having your interest out, as opposed to having your interest in and always being about you and making yourself happy and being rich and famous and better than other people, etc. That when you shift that out of that into having your arrows out, being of service, it makes all the difference in the world. And I don't know that our kids are getting that message enough. The message of Happiness, being, happiness might coming from being of service, being there for other people. Now, I see a lot of girls in my counseling practice and in my retreats who sometimes take that to an extreme. They're there for everybody else but themselves. And of course, that's not healthy. So I have to tell them, and I did this past weekend at that high school retreat, we talked a lot about self-care. And how important self-care is for you to take care of yourself so that you can be there more for other people. But we need to get out of this habit of teaching our kids that happiness is about having more money, being rich, being famous, having more likes, being pretty, having the best stuff, having more things. Those externals may work for a short time, but not for very long. Kind of like my thrill hangover cycle. So instead, they need to start focusing on things that are perhaps more important. For instance, I read a quote from someone named William Feather. And he said, plenty of people miss their share of happiness, not because they never found it, but because they didn't stop to enjoy it. Isn't that true in our world today? How busy we are, how we're rushing around, trying to get more stuff, more things, more hours of work, more money, but we're not enjoying the moments. We're not savoring the the moments and especially savoring our connections. Howard Thurman said one time, don't ask what the world needs Ask what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. I believe in that. People criticize me sometimes when I say I want kids to to discover, find their passions, find their interests, find things they're good at, and to follow that as opposed to what the culture is saying. But I think that is a key for them, to have a life of fulfillment and happiness Eleanor Roosevelt one time said, the surest way to happiness is to seek it for other people. True, true, true. Let me finish here with a famous story. It's a true story. In a small village in Germany in the 15th century, there lived a family who had 15 children. Let me say that again, 15 children. And two of the brothers shared a dream of pursuing their artistic talents But the family had no money to pay for their education. So the boys one day tossed a coin and the loser would go to work in the nearby mines and support the other brother attending an art academy. And then when that brother was done, he would support the other one by working in the mines or selling their art. Well, one brother, Albrecht Dürer, won the coin toss and he went to school while his brother Albert worked in the mines. After four years, Albrecht returned, at the very first family dinner, he thanked his brother for supporting him and told him it was now his turn to go to school. With tears streaming down his face, his brother Albert shared that it was now impossible for him to go to art school. He showed his brother Albrecht his hands, where the bones in every finger had been broken many times and crushed from, from working in the mines. He also suffered from very severe arthritis in his hands, making it very difficult to even hold his wine glass, much less paint delicate lines on a canvas. He says, Too late for me now, brother. Albrecht felt terrible. One day, to pay homage to his brother for all that he had sacrificed, Albrecht carefully drew his brother's tortured hands with the palms together, crooked fingers pointing skyward. He called this powerful drawing simply hands. Over time, people were so moved by the painting and the story behind it, that they called this tribute of love the praying hands. Today, 450 years later, Albrecht Dürer's portraits hang in every great museum in the world. I have a little sculpture of that right here on my desk, a little wooden sculpture. Chasing our tales, chasing more stuff, chasing popularity, chasing likes, chasing uh, fame, those are not the paths to happiness. That's, that's being in this, the thrill hangover cycle. Selfless service may be the best way to happiness. So I'm encouraging you to set this holiday season, set an intention, and for the new year to come as well, to have your arrows out, to perform random acts of kindness, to be there for other people. It doesn't have to be big things. It can be small things, small acts of kindness. There's an old saying, I can't remember, it's from one of the great philosophers. I can't remember if it was Socrates, perhaps. He said one time that be kind to everyone, for everyone is is facing their own struggles or something of that sort. And I believe that's true for kids. To be kind to every child, be kind to every person you meet, even the crabby ones, because there's a reason behind their crabbiness. And sometimes we don't ever get to know the stories behind people's behaviors, especially their negative ones. I would assume there's a story there somewhere and treat them as if there's a story and treat them with kindness. Selfless service, being there for other people, finding your passions, doing things you love to do. Those are the ways for, the, for happiness to appear. You don't need to chase it like, the, like that old that kitten in the first story. Do what you love, be there for other people, and happiness will find you. Hope you have a great holiday season with your family. I will continue to do these podcasts. Um, it's been a good year. Thanks so much for listening in and sharing these podcasts with other people. I'll be back uh, at the end of the holidays with some new podcasts as well. Thanks so much. Have a happy holidays. I will be back here a week. In-